Aloha, everyone. Welcome to Sasha Spins, where you get my thoughts on life, current events, and everything else in between, in and out of the saddle. So let's get right on into it. Hello, hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in your day. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are doing amazing. So today here on Sasha Spins, we're going to be talking about the thoughts I have on books that I read this year. I thought it would be fun to do like a 2020 wrapped on books that I've read, movies that I've watched, shows that I've watched, thoughts that have been swirling throughout my head, experiences that I've had this year. And this was a very different year, (laughs) to say the absolute least. And so a lot of things a lot transpired this year. I think that's probably the understatement of the year. So I wanted to do this because I thought it would be really fun. And I was talking about this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. And I said that I would share all of the books that I read, what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them. And yeah, I figured a podcast would be a great way to get this all out and take care of that. So this year, I have read so much. I probably... This is the first year in a long time, I would honestly say since, God, maybe 2011, 2012, that I've been able to read a book a month like I wanted to. Like I used to, when I was younger growing up in my household, my dad, like my parents were, my both of my parents were huge sticklers about education. Like if you come from any immigrant household, but especially a Nigerian American household, you know that your parents, first and foremost, everything is about education, period. So growing up, we had sets of encyclopedias in our house. My dad took us to the library over the summer to like get books. Like we were very into reading. And at a certain point, my younger siblings, I think they experienced this to a lesser degree because I'm like one of seven. So you know how the older siblings and the younger siblings often have different experiences. And I think it's because the more kids your parents have, the kind of lazier they tend to get. So my younger siblings probably don't feel this way. But I know for me and my older siblings, like my dad, if he would see us watching TV, he would ask us, have you read a book? And if the answer was no, we'd have to turn off the TV and go read a book. So it just came to a place where we we were just a family that read. We were a family that you know loved knowledge, loved to learn, loved education, and all of us are my siblings and I were still very much like that. And so I just I just love I love to read to the point where when I was younger and when people would say that they didn't like to read, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean you don't like to read? <laughs> Like even when we first started dating, I would ask Snowbay what his favorite books were and he was not a big reader and I've transformed him into a reader. So I'm like really proud of that. Like I want to pat myself on the back for that. So anyways, I read so much this year and I honestly think the reason why I read so much this year was because I finally embraced audiobooks. So I don't know if it technically counts as reading if the book is not in your hands, but I'm going to say it does. Like for the longest time, I had just a big thing against audiobooks. I was like, it's not the same. And I think that it's because I love the feeling of books in my hands. I love falling asleep with the book. I love turning the page with the book. And with my chaotic Gemini brain, sometimes it's very easy to like fade off and get distracted. You know, if you're listening to something on a device or on your phone, you could easily pick up your phone or pick up that device and start scrolling. 
And so I just, I, I, I know myself and I didn't want to get comfortable with that. So I was always really just hesitant. I just did not like audiobooks. But with the pandemic and everything being closed and just so much new going on with coronavirus, I was like, uh, I don't know if I can go. I couldn't go to the library to rent books. And then when I thought about going to the library to rent books, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be like touching these books everybody else touches. And isn't that funny? You know, coronavirus has gotten us to change so many behaviors and things that we used to do that were normalized or not normal anymore. So I don't ever think that I could go back to like going to the library and renting books, but And you can rent audiobooks from the library, but I figure at this point, I just want to have them. And then if I can pass them off to somebody to listen to, I can send it to them. If I want to re-listen to it, I can do that. So I finally embraced audiobooks. And for me, I think that I know that that made all of the difference in the world with how much I was able to read this year. And There were, overall, I read, there's 10 books that I have that I'm going to discuss. Some of them are books that I reread. Some of them are books that I'm still in the process of reading. And then some of them are books that I read completely, got done. Some of them were for book clubs. Some of them were just for my own knowledge and out of my own curiosity. Like I said, I am a Gemini. That's one of the biggest things about our Zodiac, apparently. Where I mean, I won't say Zodiac, apparently, because before I even like internalized anything about being a Gemini, I've always loved to learn. I've always loved to read. And so I won't attribute that to being a Gemini. I think I will just attribute that to your own personality traits. <laughs> Some things are Zodiac related and then other things are not Zodiac related. So yes, this podcast is going to be a review on all of these books that I've read. I'm still in the process of rereading or books that I reread. And I'm going to start with, I think I'm going to go in the order of as I read them throughout the year. I think that's probably easier for me. But sometimes, I don't know if I'm excited about it. I, I wrote out this list and I may go with the list. I may not go with the list. We'll see. But the first book and was Choose Wonder Over Worry by Amber Ray. And I picked up this book about, this was a hardback book, so hardcover, so I read it, I had it in my hands. I picked it up about three or four years ago at this point, and I am a strong believer in the fact that we have to be ready for what the universe, the universe will send us signs, and the universe will continue to send us signs but we won't get them until we're in a place to receive them. And that is a concept that definitely came up in the book. It's so funny that that concept came up in the book because it was an aha moment for me. Because even though I picked up this book like three or four years ago, I was not in a place to receive what the book was sending me, the message that it was trying to send me. So I read it, like I read half of it, and then I would pick it up and put it down and pick it up and put it down. And I actually think I'm going to reread it again because it's a good refresher for me anyways. I think it would be a good refresher and a good reminder to keep going. But what I loved so much about this book was when I picked it up, I was in that space of, I've talked about this before in the podcast, um, but I was in the space of where I was ready to finally let go of fear completely, 100%, and not let it rule my life. And in my brain, I was getting out of that place where I was like sick of it. I was sick of being afraid. I was sick of doubting myself all the time. I was sick about wondering 
whether I was good enough or I was smart enough or, you know, to just do what I wanted to do and to share the messages that I wanted to share with people because I have so much, I always felt that I've had so much knowledge in me and my biggest life calling is to want to help people in any way that I can. And I love connecting with people. I love communicating with people, but I was always afraid of like that imposter syndrome. And for so long, that imposter syndrome um, ruled my life. So I picked up this book and I read a friend actually recommended it to me. Lauren, if you're listening to this, thank you for re- recommending the book all of those years ago. But I picked it up and I wasn't really ready to receive what the book was sending me, the messages that the book was trying to send me. And then last summer, I finally sat down and I re- I started from the beginning because I was like, I don't want to be doing this half-ass. So I started from the beginning and then I put it down. And then at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of January, I finished the book and oh, it was, it, it was a really, it was just, I think that for me, I needed that message. If you are one of those people that has never been overcome by fear or ha- has let fear paralyze your life or, you know, that self-doubt or that imp- self-imposter syndrome, you're probably not going to get a lot from the book, but it really encouraged me to tap into that side of myself that knew that there was something in me that I could give to other people and share with other people and fully step into that and recognize that my life experience counts as experience. And so for me, reading that book, it really, it shut the door on the years of feeling that imposter syndrome and being ruled by that fear. And I was able to shut the door with that. So if you are the type of person, if you're just struggling with any type of self-doubt or like negative self-talk or imposter syndrome or just wondering if you're like good enough or what would anyone want to hear what I had to say? If you're struggling with that, I encourage you to absolutely pick up the book, Choose Wonder Over Worry by Amber Ray. And she is super, I've messaged her on Instagram. She's super responsive. She will absolutely message you back. So I would say even take it a step further and feel free to reach out to her because she's very receptive and she's very responsive. And I absolutely loved the book. So I'm currently moving on. I'm currently in the process of still reading. And I think now I'll cover the books that I'm still reading. <laughs> that would Choose Wonder Over Worry. It was just a great book to start off the year with. But the books that I'm still reading, the first one is Strengths-Based Leadership by Barry Conchie. I think that's how you say his last name, Barry Conchie and Tom Rath. I'm still in the process of reading that because I like to, when I read books like this, I like to be able to take notes with them and I don't like to rush it. So I like to take my time. And also I like lost my code to take the test of what it and what my strength is because it covers different kind of strengths and skills that leaders have. So there are some leaders who are communicative leaders. That's how they lead. Then there are leaders who are more hands off with their approach. So there are all these different types of leadership, leaderships, um, how do I say it? Leadership methods. There are all these different types of leadership methods. So what this book does, it goes over every single type of leadership style. And then it, um, they also have interviews with leaders, like leaders from a lot of successful companies, a lot of successful businesses, political leaders, thought leaders. They have 
personal testimonies from them to explore their different types of leaderships. And because I haven't taken the test yet, I think I lost, A, I lost the code. (laughs) But B, I also wanted to wait till the end, which is why I lost the code, because I wanted to wait till I was finished reading the book to take the test, because I think that sometimes we get tunnel vision. So if I had first taken the test, I would have zeroed in on what my leadership style was, and then I would have neglected everything else. But since there are so many different types of leadership styles, I wanted to read about all of them, and I wanted to understand all of them, and be able to take notes on all of them, and then figure out what, take the test, see what my leadership style was, and then go back and read about my particular leadership style. So I have to find the code, but I'm in the process of still reading about this. And what I like about this book is what I've been liking about it so far is that you recognize that just because something doesn't work for you, like I'm not an author, all, wow, <laughs> I cannot speak right now. I'm not an authoritative leader. That's not me by any means. So that leadership style doesn't work for me, but there are benefits to every single kind of leadership style. And that's what I'm learning about this book. That's what I'm reading, The what I'm enjoying about it is reading the different types of leadership styles, reading their strengths, and then applying it to people of my personal life, and and just really deciding the kind of leader that I want to be. I have worked in so many environments where I could tell you what poor leadership style looks like, but I couldn't tell you what good leadership style looks like. And I don't think I have ever worked in an environment where... I have felt that the person leading us has been capable and qualified. And so I would not want to be a leader of any type of organization and have someone think that way about me. So for me, when I started reading this book, I was like, I want to empower myself and give myself the tools to be an effective leader, to be an approachable leader. And whoever I'm leading for the people alongside of me, not beneath me, but alongside of me going on this journey, but that are looking to me for leadership, what tools can I put in my toolkit to be the most prepared leader and be a leader that they feel like they are learning something from, that they're proud to be a part of my team. And I honestly want to give this book to (laughs) so many of the people in leadership positions in my life because they are freaking terrible. And that is another topic for another day because I could talk about all of them, but that's not what this podcast is here for. So another book that I am still in the process of reading is Influencer by Brittany Hennessy. And I started reading this book about six or seven months ago as I realized I am probably what some people would call a micro-influencer. And the word influencer, I even used to look at it in a dirty type of way. I used to really dislike that word. And I think I disliked the word because it had such a negative connotation because it encapsulated a group of people that I didn't particularly care for on social media, the kind of people that put out look at me content instead of learn from me content. 
And I think that there exists a place for both, but I wanted the content that I was putting out to be more learn from me and how can I help you? And of course, there's still look at me content because y'all know I like my sets. I'm all in the, in the fashions. I like my leggings. So of course, there's going to be some look at me content. But for the most part, I want my social media space. I want my Instagram to be a place where people can feel like they're learning from me or that there is something that I'm able to give them, that I'm offering them a kind of service and that we can fellowship together and build community together. Like that's what I wanted. And so I told myself that if I'm going to use my social media space in this way, I need some tools. Y'all know I'm big on my toolkit. I was just talking about it. So I was like, I need to start putting tools in my toolkit and build myself up not only as a thought leader, but also as an influencer. And, you know, kind of take back that word and transform it from being a dirty word to, hey, this is just who I am. And it's okay if you have a negative connotation about that, fine. But I want to be an influencer that you can learn from. And so with this book, as I'm still reading it, it's a little out of date. But what I am learning from it are things that I already knew, but to more streamline my page and how I can effectively message with like get my message out there and also talk about like partnerships and building relationships and sponsorships and just how to package myself in a way that makes me not necessarily more appealing because I'm amazing and appealing the way I am, but just makes me more, takes it from a a less kind of look at me page to more learn from me. And that's what I've been learning so far with this book. And the last book that I'm still in the, oh, I guess ebook <laughs> that I'm in the process of listening to, I'm gonna my I'm gonna default back to reading, but most of these are books that I've listened to on Audible. They're ebooks. So the last book that I'm still e-reading is Total Meditation by Deepak Chopra, and or maybe he says a Chopra. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know Nick Jonas's wife, the younger, gosh, I'm terrible. I forget her name, but I know Priyanka. Yes, Priyanka Chopra. So maybe he says a Chopra or Chopra, but either ways, this book by Deepak, it is amazing. I originally picked it up because Lululemon, they were having a book club and this is the book that they were assigned to read. But it was one of those books where I did not want to rush through it. I wanted to take my time and learn the lessons that he was sending out to us. Because this year I've been facilitating guided meditations. Y'all know I do my Wealthy Wednesdays here. You get five to 10 minute meditations. I got certified and I'm still in the process of learning because I can be- I believe that you can you can get all the degrees in the world but a true learner a true a true leader never stops learning and we as humans never stop learning once you stop learning I genuinely believe that's when you die um so I always want to even though I'm certified I still want to continue to learn I still want to continue to build my skills and I still want to just be able to receive the information that is out there because it only benefits me. So that's what I've been getting from this book different tools the knowledge behind meditation because what the west has done we've done a really good job of appropriating yoga appropriating meditation, appropriating all of these Southeast and just Asian traditions, 
and cultural beliefs. We've done a good job of appropriating them and then monetizing them, bastardizing them and bringing them away from their origins. So if I can learn, if I can learn this practice from someone who is of that culture, that's more of a value to me. And he does have a meditation program, but it's a little expensive and we in a pandemic right now. So... (laughs) Your girl ain't got the funds just yet. So I figured this book was a great way to get started. And hopefully this year or the year after next, I can get into, I'm hoping it's next year, um, I can get into one of his courses and really learn from him. But for now, I'm still reading the book. I'm making my way through it. Like I said, I like to take notes. I like to re-listen. So I did listen to the, I did go to the Lululemon book club, but I didn't finish reading the book because I just, I didn't, I didn't want to rush through it. I don't want to rush through it. So I've covered the books that I'm still reading this. I reread Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's my Nigerian sis. Hey, I reread that book. And I just like, there are some comfort books. Every Every now and again, I'll just reread a book because I like it and it's a comfortable book for me. And that was one of them. It was very interesting to me to be, I'm a first generation Nigerian American. So my experiences are going to obviously differ from my parents who are immigrants and who came to this country when they were in college, like the main character did. And while I wouldn't, I don't, I don't believe that my parents, well, I obviously I want to say I don't believe it, but I know it's not true that their experiences mirrored the main characters. It was really just interesting to see what it is like to have two, one foot in one culture country and another foot in another culture country. And I felt that kind of cultural clash growing up in my own household because my parents absolutely raised us within a Nigerian culture. So even though we were American kids living in America, I oftentimes felt like I was had one foot in one culture and another foot in another culture. So I just like rereading Americana and it just made me feel like I was at home. It made me feel like I was amongst my aunties and just, you know, the food that they referenced. And like, it just made me it just it made me miss home a little bit. And this was at the beginning of the pandemic and I wasn't really seeing my family. And they mentioned the agusi soup. And I was like, oh my God, my mom makes agusi soup. And then they talked about jollof and hair braiding and music. It's just so many things that made me think about my own family. And at, at a certain point, I would like to go, the majority of my family is still in Nigeria. So when, when we, I remember when I went to visit, when I was in high school, I think it was like my freshman year of high school. Yeah, it was my freshman year of high school. We went to visit, and that's what they called us. They called us Americana. Americana. <laughs> because they could tell, like, we didn't even have to open our mouths. They knew that we were not Nigerian. You know, we are Nigerian, but they knew that we were from America, that we were not as connected with our Nigerian roots. And so I felt like I was like perfectly Nigerian. My parents are raising us in this culture and feeding us the food. And then I go there and it's just like, oh shit, I'm not that. Kind of like when the main character, when she went back and then her, you know, she was like, oh, it's so hot. Where's the air conditioning? And then her friends like, oh, you've truly become an Americana asking for the air conditioning. So I reread that book and I really liked it. And yeah, so if you're looking for 
just if you're looking to get a book and just to explore someone else's culture, you just find it interesting, I would definitely recommend picking it up. It was a good book. I really liked it. So I've covered the books that I read or sorry, I was still, I'm was i still in the process of reading and that I reread. And I already talked about Choose Wonder Over Worry. It's a book that I started a while ago, finally finished this year. So these are all books now that I started this year and I finished this year. And one of them was Contagious by Jonah Berger. And so I read, you know what? Actually, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about How to Break Up With Your Phone. That's by Katherine Price. And then I'll go back to Contagious because those, Contagious by Jonah Berger, because those two, I feel like they like married each other. Like I read them in the perfect order. And so I want to discuss them in the order in which I read them because they'll both like make sense. So I read How to Break Up With Your Phone by Katherine Price. And a friend told me about that book, Victoria, if you're listening, thank you for this recommendation. So at the beginning, before this pandemic started, I've always been really good about phone hygiene and phone habits, and I've been good about it because I've been bad about it. So I learned with everything how to build boundaries. So the boundaries that I built around my smartphone and how I used it, I was pretty comfortable with those boundaries. And then pandemic, the quarantine, um, coronavirus came around, the pandemic started, Then we went into quarantine and now I'm like not, I'm out of my routine. I'm not doing the things that I used to. And now I'm on my phone all the time. And I recognize that it was becoming an issue when on Sunday, you know, if you have a smartphone, specifically if you have an Apple phone, on Sundays, if you have this feature set to your phone, if you have the screen time, but also, what is it? It's like, it's like escaping me right now. But anyways, it will show you how much your the weekly report of how much time you've spent on your phone. There's a name for it, but I'm blanking on what the name for it is. So essentially, it just shows you how much time you spent on your phone. And I knew that I needed to make a change when the report was I was averaging 11 hours on my phone. That is insane. That is excessive. And all of the boundaries that I had previously established before quarantine started, they all fell by the wayside. And Snowbay even commented on it. He was like, you know, you're on your phone a lot. And all of those boundaries I had, they fell by the wayside. And so when I saw that one report that I was on my phone for an average of 11 hours a freaking day, I was like, no, 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 we need an intervention, baby girl. So what, how to break up with your smart, with your phone What I got from that book was really how our phones are designed to manipulate us to constantly be using, to constantly be on, how it has really hacked our psyche. It's like, honestly, biohacked us. I won't say biohacked, that's dramatic. But what it has done is it's taken human behaviors, people who develop these apps, who have developed this phone, they have studied human behavior and have made these smartphones to be as addictive as possible. So we're sitting on our phones and we are just watching them and we're shutting out the people around us. And these phones, they are addictive and they are addictive by design. Like there, there are entire teams of people that are designing these apps, the phone itself to keep you attached. 
and you are the product. They're learning from you. They're studying from you. And as they learn from you and as they study from you, they are receiving, they're sending all these little messages back to like the machines and the people who are designing these things. And then they're going back in and making more updates to the software to keep you addicted. It is fucking insane. Y'all, it was like the fucking Twilight Zone. Like I read that book, I read it and I was like horrified at so many turns. And for me, I didn't I didn't know that. I did not know that. And it was just and you know, I knew it, but I didn't know it. The degree to which our phones are really changing our brains, how they're changing our behavior and how they're essentially Destro- how social media is especially destroying so much. So, and let me, ref- I don't want to take it that far because I believe that social media is a tool. I believe social media is a hammer. And as a hammer, you can either use it to build or you can use it to destroy. And with social media, I have used it to build. Social media has been an amazing thing for me. It's allowed me to connect with people, to find people, to share, to build, to create, to fellowship, to build a community that I love. But at the same time, I'm using it for a good intent. If you are not using it for a good intent, then you're using it like a hammer to destroy and social, these people can program these apps in our phones and then we decide how we're going to use them. So I don't, I don't want to remove free will and personal accountability and personal responsibility from the equation. But this book, it really underscored for me how accountable I have to be to myself and use this phone, use these apps, use this device in a smart and in a healthy way. So if you are struggling with setting boundaries around your phone, setting boundaries about social media, or you're just curious as to how our phones are manipulating us, I would recommend this book 110%. And there is, what was it? The Social Dilemma, I think it was, that was that show on Netflix. I watched it a couple of weeks ago. And because I had already read this book, nothing that I saw in the documentary was fascinating for me. It wasn't, it didn't really, I didn't learn anything. But if you watch the, if you watch The Social Dilemma, and you want to find out more about how our how exactly our phones are being used to manipulate us, I would recommend this book. Or if you just want to build healthy hygiene and habits and you don't know where to start, this is a great book for you. It's a great book to reset and learn how to use your phone properly. So I recommend that. Now I'll jump to Contagious by Jonah Berger. So I read that after I read how to break up with your phone and This book, I feel like they're like brother and sister, husband and wife, because they are good books to read together because Contagious starts with everything that How to Break Up With Your Phone talks about. It starts off with that. So I already had, I already knew the foundation, but he was actually one, he went to school for this exclusive purpose of marketing and trying to figure out how we could use social media apps and devices and everything like that to sell to people. And something that he underscored in the book was that if you're getting a product for free, you are the product. Nothing comes for free. But what I liked about this book was it was in line with Influencer by Brittany Hennessy. So all three of these books are kind of connected for me. And this was actually recommended. Contagious was recommended by Bix uh, Berger. I will give her 
Instagram name, but she recommend uh, she recommended this book. So shout out to Vix. She's like amazing. She's like a social media phenom, but she recommended this book and I read it. And the first part of it was kind of talking about how our social media, how our phones, how social media apps are used to manipulate us and keep us wrapped in. But then what I also liked that he talked about was how then to use your to use these social media apps as in a way to effectively market and get your message across, but also how you can connect with people. And then it talked about how people go viral, the content that you put on social media, how it's go how it can the ways in which it can go viral. But more importantly for me, what I learned from that book were the elements in which I could employ on my social media so it's less look at me and more learn from me and how I can be better helpful to how I can better be helpful and of service to my community. So am I connecting with people? How am I connecting on pe- with people on an emotional level? Do people feel like they're just being sold to or do they feel like I care about them? Do people feel... Are they getting any, what are the, what are the benefits are they getting from my existence here on this space? It really helped me to kind of flesh out why I'm using social media and how I'm using social media and how I'm connecting with people and what I'm putting out there, how you can reach people. So if you are an influencer or if you're a business person or yeah, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a teacher and you're wondering just how to connect with people using social media as a tool, I would absolutely recommend this book for you. Um, a lot of the books that I read this year, I feel like I've just, I didn't want it to get too long, but y'all, I love reading and I talk a lot. So it is just what it is. Y'all should know this by now, okay? You know this. I didn't want it to get this long, but I've read like, I've got 10 books on this list, y'all. And I'm definitely yelling me on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven books on this list, y'all. So I definitely want to make my way through them. So thank you for staying with me. We're gonna keep moving. So these are books that I have read. These final few are books that these four, yeah, these four books that are books that I read for book clubs. Ever since the unfortunate murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and people in America decided to wake up, one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people are reading more about anti-racism and wanting to be anti-racist and wanting to confront racism head on, which is amazing. It's, I feel like, why why now? But also, it's better late than never. So one of my girlfriends, Hannah, she started a book club, and I've been reading these books with her, as and I've joined the book club. And I, all of these books, I'm recognizing that they're not for me. I'm not the intended audience, but I still get something from them. And the book that it felt like she was talking my life was I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. And the, from the first page I cried because it was like I was listening to my experience someone was telling my life someone lived my experience and they didn't tell me that's honestly what it felt like reading the book and it was so powerful and it was so impactful and while I recognized that I was not the intended audience it really validated a lot of the things that I experienced. And I've said this before in a previous podcast, but the one of the main reasons why I have been enjoying this 
quarantine is because the microaggressions that I deal with on a near daily, that I used to deal with on a nearly near daily basis ceased to exist. I didn't deal with microaggressions. I haven't dealt with direct in my face racism. I haven't dealt with people questioning whether I have the right to exist in that space or be in that space. And she covers that so much in the book that it was so validating to read that from another black woman. And it uh, just, oh my God, I, I loved it. I, I really loved it. I really connected with it. And if you, again, while I am not the intended audience, I will say if you are a black woman who is struggling with the idea of, I'm not feeling seen. I encourage you to read I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown because I felt I felt seen. For the first time in probably forever, I was reading my experience and it made me feel very validated. So that I'm not crazy, that I was not making up these microaggressions, that I'm not just being emotional for no reason, that these things are there because in the moment a lot of people, if you share what is happening to you, a lot of people will racially gaslight you into thinking that your experiences are not real. And so reading it, I w- it was like, this is real. And it was just super validating to read that. So if you're a black woman, if you're a black woman and you're struggling with not feeling seen, or if you're a white person and you're like, I want to read someone else's perspective, I absolutely encourage you to read I'm Still Here by Channing Brown. Another book that I read for a book club was Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. And it's by Jason Reynolds and Ibrahim Kendi. And that book was absolutely amazing. I don't think I've ever read a book that was narrated by someone that I just felt like I could play a game with sp- of spades with and also learn from. He was like so relatable. I was like, yo, I could listen to this dude talk all day. Like it was just like having a conversation with your friend from the hood, and I'm not saying he's from the hood, but you know how some people, like if you're from DC or Baltimore, you know the exact accent, the kind of affect that I'm talking about that people have when they talk. Like it, it just, that's what it felt like listening to that book being narrated. And what I loved the most about that book was we are lied to so much. If you are a product of the public school education system in America, your education was a lie. Like you were lied to. We were lied to for 12 years and these these lies were normalized. And what I love most about this book, it's basically like everything that you thought you knew, you are wrong and you didn't know shit. Okay, that's what I loved the most about this book. So it was honestly an unlearning. And I'm somebody that actively will seek out information. Like I said, my dad would take us to the library. We'd have all these encyclopedias at home. But not only on top of that, he would actively challenge us. My dad would be like, you know what you're learning in school is a lie. It's not true. So I always had that background for someone to be challenging me. And my parents knew that the education system was not responsible for our education. So because they had that knowledge, I already knew that I was learning half-truths. But if you're not someone who knew that, I encourage you to read this book because it will blow your lid off. Like it will be, it'll be like an eye-opening awakening for you. And I like that they just tell, it's just like very simple. It's like you're getting the truth and you're, and not only are you getting the truth, you're actively learning. In this book, you actively learn why certain 
situations and establishments and institutions exist as they are now and the origins behind that. And growing up, my dad would always say, you cannot know your future if you don't know your past. And a lot of people don't understand or don't know why certain institutions exist the way they are now. And it's because we were never told the truth about the past. And what this book does, what Stamped does, is it takes you back to the past. It takes you back to the real. And it gives you that baseline of understanding why these situations why these institutions, why these beliefs, why they are still so pervasive and exist. So if you want to unconsciously learn your biases and just like learn, actively learn and unlearn the lies that you've been told, absolutely pick up Stamped. And the last book that I read for a book club this year, I actually read it Two weeks ago, I got done reading it two weeks ago. It was Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho, my Nigerian brother. I've read like a lot of books by Nigerians this year. (laughs) We are on the map. Nigerians are taking over, okay? We're taking over. But it was a really good book. And if if you, his name is familiar. He is a sports commentator, but he's also, he used to play football for the Washington sports, Washington football team, I believe. <laughs> I'm not a football person. I know he used to play football. He played on multiple teams. And I think he referenced the Washington sports clubs. Well, that's what they're calling themselves now. They used to be called the Redskins. But I could be totally wrong. I'm not a sports person. I just know that he used to play football. And now he has his own YouTube um, YouTube channel. And that's where originally this book came from. Like, all the conversations he was happening over the summer, he kind of compiled those together and then made it a book. And I listened to it for a book club. And again, like with reading Austin Channing Brown's book, with reading I'm Still Here, I got this from a Black woman's perspective. But with reading Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, I got it from what I took from that was, again, this is my experience as a Nigerian American. He talked about being living in a Nigerian household, but existing in white spaces. So you have one foot in one culture and another foot in another culture. And then he talked about his experience was experiences with the black community and black Americans. And it often mirrored my experiences because I really didn't establish friendships with a lot of black people until I went off to college. And so that's kind of that was what he was talking about. And it was the truth for him. So the layout of the book, it was every chapter started with a question that he received from a white person. And I, again, it wasn't, I was not the intended audience. So I don't feel like I learned a lot, but it was a very validating book for me to read. And it was also a reminder that I want to give a lot of white people the benefit of the doubt that they want to know. They just don't know any better. And so they're asking these questions. Therefore, they know ignorance is not an excuse. So for me, what it underscored is ignorance is a choice. And that's why I differentiate between ignorance and willful ignorance, because I have a lot of patience for ignorance. You don't know what you don't know. And I can't fault you for that. But what I don't have any patience for is willful ignorance, knowing better, but still holding on to the lie or still holding on to the half truth because it's what makes you comfortable. It's what makes you feel safe. And I don't have any patience for that. 
whatsoever. So what I really like about his book is that when the questions I can see, I could see a lot of white people asking those questions and I appreciated the honesty behind them. And I appreciated his honesty in answering them, especially the questions of, you know, what about cultural appropriation? Because again, cultural appropriation, a lot, I think a lot of people are comfortable remaining ignorant and willfully ignorant about that. But then if you are honestly just ignorant and you're looking for answers, he talks about that and he just he just has a way of approaching so many questions, so many situations. And it honestly, I learned from it in the sense of how I can, if people are coming to me and asking me these questions, it gave me different ideas of how I can reach those people. So I really liked that. So those were the three books that I read for book clubs. And the last book that I'm going to talk about was the most impactful book that I've read this year. Because this quarantine, I often say this year, 2020 is not the year that probably any of us wanted. And I can't speak for anyone else, but I know it was the year that I needed. And it was the year that I personally needed because it really underscored for me my purpose here on this planet. And I was able to conclusively say my purpose after reading Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I feel like I have always known what my gifts are. I've I've always known what my strengths are, but I never knew how to use them in a way to effectively put myself out there and reach people in a way that I have this year. And I thought that that way was with cycling. And so this year I had a plan to, I was setting in motion a plan to actively leave my full-time job, to transition to coaching full-time and also becoming a meditation and a mindset coach. And then the pandemic happened <laughs> and then it threw all of my plans into chaos because you, you don't quit your job. You don't quit your stable job during a global pandemic. And I couldn't do that to Snow Bay. I just, I just did. It, it wouldn't have felt right. But because I knew that it wouldn't have felt right, that didn't mean that I wasn't disappointed. And I was so frustrated at the beginning of the year because I felt like it was. I was. I was finally at a place where I was ready to put these things in motion. I stepped out of fear and I was ready to actively live my life. And boom, there it is. A pandemic comes and changes everything. But just because it wasn't the year that I wanted doesn't mean it wasn't the year that I needed. And start with why made me sit down and think about my why and then re-emphasized what I had known all along, what my why was, why my purpose was, what my purpose was and why I'm here. And I genuinely believe I was put on this earth to help people, to be of service to people to use my gifts, to use my talents, to use my humor. <laughs> to I think that they're my gifts and my talents anyways. Fuck that. They are my gifts. They are my talents. To use what God gave me, to use what God blessed me with, to connect with others. And just because I couldn't do it in the capacity that I wanted doesn't mean that I couldn't do it. And after reading that book, I finished reading it in April, May. And that's what got me to start offering my Wednesday meditation and my Friday meditation and put myself out there. It's what got me to 
really sit down and decide that I was going to effectively use my Instagram platform for good and to reach people as best as I could. It underscored my purpose for being here on this earth and made me think about how I'm, how I'm going to recognize that. Because it's one thing to recognize, the to know, to feel why you're here, but then put it into action. And so start with why pushed me, like it literally shoved me to put myself out there 100% and really step into who I was meant to be, who I was put on this earth to be. Without apology, without regret, without shame, without any type of fear to just unapologetically be who I am and know that that is what I'm here for. Y'all, that was a lot. It got a little bit longer than I wanted to, but all of those, I just, everything that I've read this year, because I love reading self-help books. I love, and I wouldn't even call them self-help books, just growth books. I love reading books about, I love learning about culture as my own culture even at times because I, I am here. I'm in America and you can only develop your own culture as much as you can without being in that space. So I loved reading rereading Americana. I loved reading books from another Nigerian American who shared his experience from a black woman whose experience I saw myself in from opening up and learning more about meditation from learn to learning how to build boundaries about my smartphone and then social media and then also fully using social media as a medium to put myself out there and really step into my why. So those are all of the books that I read this year. That is a 2020 wrap up of everything that I read this year, reread, and I'm still in the process of reading. So I hope that was helpful for you. And because I always love hearing about what everyone else is reading, if you want to share anything that you read this year that was amazing for you, that was impactful, that you learned from, that that was helpful, I want to hear from you. You can drop me a voice note on Anchor FM or you can send me a message on Instagram at the Sasha Whitney. And in 2021, we're going to keep on reading. We're going to keep on growing. We're going to keep on learning. And we are going to continue to step into our why. So thank you for joining me. Be sure to send me a message. And until next time, peace out.